This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pissed off. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick and it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. for you to jump around because it's time for the wide open sports cast welcome ladies and gentlemen to the almost world famous wide open sports cast broadcasting to you on a chilly thursday night december 6th at approximately 6 30 p.m and don't forget that you can find the wide open sports cast on twitter at wide open underscore sports as well as find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. My name is Feds. And I am Rick. How's it going, bud? Uh, I am doing great. And honestly, I'm quite proud of myself. Why? I am nearly done with all my Christmas shopping. And that that is usually a last-minute thing for me. Finally, finally just... Put up the gusto and just bought it all right away. So I'm pretty much done. Just some things I've bought already. Some things I just got to wait for the uh, stuff to come in the mail. That'll be good. How about you, man? How's things going for you? Going well. Uh, bowling season is underway now. So so funny thing, okay? Um, <clears throat> so I have a Twitter account that I tweet out all my sports uh, that I coach. So, like, students in the community where I can teach can follow to it, right? And our bowling slogan this year is, do damage. Now, which other professional sports team had the slogan of do damage this year? Uh, obviously, Boston, I'm assuming. Correct, the Boston Red Sox. Um, it was not just me. It was an agreement. Some of my athletes are Red Sox fans, too. And we were like, oh, yeah, when you go bowling, you do damage. You, you su- you're supposed to knock the pins all over the place, right? You want to cause as much damage as possible when you throw the ball. So I've been tweeting out the results of our games as of late. And I noticed that I have a phantom subtweeter on my high school coaching Twitter account. It is a random Red Sox fan that is telling me to stop using do damage for my bullshit sport and my dumbass team that no one cares about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Some people just take things way too far and way too seriously. And I she mean, only has like four followers. It's like yeah. a, a random account. It's a yeah, I mean it's just some no name account that's trying to bust your balls over over you trying to have your fun with your bowling league. It's I mean come on Kevin Durant. <laughs> come on, you do you really oh yeah, Kevin Durant or uh what's his name from the Sixers with the burner accounts? Oh yeah, I forget the the old owner, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the GM, I forget whatever his name is. <laughs> Yeah, that or Coach K. Coach K apparently has like seven different burner Twitter accounts he uses to spy on his athletes with. 
Really? That's mm-hmm. weird. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I read it in a book. <laughs> read it on a box. <laughs> nice, yep. dude. That's awesome. All right, you want to jump into it? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about probably the biggest storyline uh, that's happened in the past week and a half, which mm. is obviously Kareem Hunt. Um, now, this it happened back in February, I believe. I believe early February, Kareem Hunt was in a Cleveland hotel trying to get his buddy to hook up with a girl, and the girl didn't want to, and all hell broke loose. Now, the NFL probably should have laid a little lumber then, kind of like what they did with Ezekiel Elliott, do a little, little bit of fining and a little bit of suspension early on. But now they got himself caught in a blunder with, with this video coming out. Because that's the big news. The video was finally released, obviously released by, by TMZ, uh, which pretty much they find anything and everything, which, which is good and also bad if you don't want things to come out. Shocker. Yeah. So him doing this uh, obviously hurts him, hurts the Chiefs, and hurts the NFL overall. Uh, what is your take on that? Here's my take. First off, this is something that needs to get out into the air. I've been driving to work usually before Eagles game day. It's always after an Eagles game day or the Monday night I was driving and listening in. So Tuesday after Philadelphia's win over Washington. First caller of the day on the Fanatic. Hey, you know what? Um, I really think the Eagles should go and sign Kareem Hunt. Yeah, uh... That, well, I don't think that guy probably doesn't know that he won't be playing for probably like a year. Yeah, PSA. First, he can't. He's on the commissioner's exempt list. Can't play. Secondly, why? Why would we want to do that to ourselves? I mean, that I do not want Kareem Hunt anywhere near my football team. I am perfectly fine with letting that scumbag sit on waivers for the rest of his career. I do not want him, the distractions, his, or just every single thing that would come with signing him to plague this team. As an Eagles fan, I will argue, and I know this might be an unpopular opinion, I did not approve of this signing. I approved of his abilities on the field, but I did not root for him off the field as a person. I will argue that this is easily up there, if not worse, than when the Eagles signed Mike Vick. Well, so you got, you got to think about it like this. This is kind of like a point I was going to bring up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a person, obviously not every, every person believes this, but I'm a person that believes in second chances, but... You have to earn that second chance by showing that you're trying to rehabilitate, trying to pay for what you did, so on and so forth. Michael Vick, he, he got caught, went to jail, uh, served his time, got rehabilitated, and got back into the NFL. And now, post that, I mean, he is a huge advocate now against animal violence. So there, he, a lot, there was a lot of bad... But in the end, a lot of good came out of it. One, for the person. Two, for the community and the family. And and three, for animals. Because he does do a lot of work to help animals. And like he was, he was a part of a huge bill signing in, in Washington, D.C. a couple years back. Saw that on the Bleacher Report uh, documentary on him. But, I mean, you got, you got to think... Yes, these people screw up. Everyone has these screw-ups, whether it's very minor or very major. These these cases are obviously pretty major. But you got to let these guys get a second chance somehow. Whether it's them being allowed back in the football league or whether it's something that they have to do in life. Now, watching the video, I mean, I hate to compare it. It's not as bad as what Ray Rice did. Ray Rice's was a lot worse, just on the brutality of what happened. Kareem Hunt still not. I'm I'm still not trying to say that it's that he is like he's a he's a good guy, 
But if he's going to make these screw-ups, he's got to face the consequences, and he has to rehabilitate himself. And what was shocking this week was uh, an, an unnamed NFL official that was tweeted out by, like, uh, Schefter and all the big NFL uh, Twitter guys was he, someone said Kareem Hunt will be back in the league at some point. Now, whether you like it or not, whether that's true or not, there is a point where he's going to get off his exempt list. Now, if he, if by the time he proves that he rehabilitates himself and he seems to be a better person, how many people do you think will accept him? I don't know with the state of the NFL right now, and and I'm trying to think what did he what did he get in trouble in college for? Because I know this isn't his first run, and I know there was something in college. I think he got into like a fight in a bar or something. Yeah, I forget. I just looked it up. He was suspended for two games for um, violating team rules. But I just I can't see him back into the NFL. But the state of the NFL right now as far as their stance on domestic violence. But then you do say that. You do say they believe he'll be back in the league. But now where do you draw the line between Kareem Hunt and Reuben Foster? Because Reuben Foster was also released from the 49ers for a stint with domestic violence. And was literally picked up within three days by the Redskins. Granted, Reuben Foster's on the exempt list, too. Where do you draw the line with that? Like, how is it that Reuben Foster seemed immediately picked up after it versus Hunsa situation? I mean, I, I think the obvious thing is is once it gets down to the public, it's it's visual. I mean, that's, that's when the NFL has to act. Because, I mean... There, there is a certain point where it's a business and you want to try to keep this shit under wraps. I, but, I mean, Ruben Foster, that's questionable why they would sign him. Because they knew he was on the exempt list. But, I mean, both with Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt, they did it in a public place and there was security footage of what happened. I mean, that's, that's, not, the, that's not necessarily the right thing. Um, but... If if they're gonna do that in the public, then and it's gonna be shown in public. Yeah, I mean that's that's when they're gonna get to get the yaks. Uh, when when Ruben Foster did it, it sounds like he probably did it in the confines of his home. Uh, I'm, again, this is a very touchy subject. I'm not saying it's any good. No, yeah, I get you. I totally get where you're going from with it. If if there's no visual evidence, then that generally the person will be eventually allowed back in the league, it seems like. Now, saying that, I mean, there was photographic evidence against uh, Hardy when he got signed by the Dallas Cowboys. But... Cowboys suck, we all know that. I'm not going to say that. Uh, I would say video evidence seems to be better than photographic or word-to-mouth, uh, word-to-ear evidence for the NFL, at least. But, I mean, it's also at the same time, it's so hard for people blame the NFL for screwing up, but, like, at the same time, Kareem Hunt, the reason why he was cut by the Chiefs was that was that he lied about the situation or downplayed it, probably. Right, because the Chiefs looked into it, and the Chiefs had interviewed him about everything. Yeah, so if the Chiefs interviewed him about it and he lied... Then the video came out, and they're like, okay, obviously he lied, so now we have to cut him. So I think the Chiefs did the right thing there. Um, just get get that out of the way, even though, I mean, he wasn't going to be able to play. Uh, once that came out, like, obviously he was going straight on the exempt list. But if, if that didn't come out, we would have a way different picture in the playoffs right now. Because I think the Kansas City Chiefs are screwed. Yeah, I was about to jump into that question. Do you believe that Kansas City's Super Bowl hopes are finished? I mean, they still, offensively, they still, I wouldn't say they had a close game with the Raiders because of hey, their I, lack of offensive production. But I, I think they had a close game with the Raiders. It came to a close game. I mean, the Raiders scored more points than a lot of teams have scored against them this year. 
I mean, not saying that their their defense is great, but the Raiders were in there for a bit, and then finally the Chiefs ran away. But it because they didn't have that running ability. I mean, where is he's an okay back, but he's no Kareem Hunt. No, not even close. So because he's no Kareem Hunt, then like that that takes away such a huge huge part of the offense. Because I mean, you, you people were saying that about. The Steelers not being not playing with Le'Veon Bell was James Conner going to be able to produce? I mean, me as a Steelers fan, thankfully he's able to produce. It sucks that he's injured right now, but thankfully he was able to produce and produce in a different way than Le'Veon Bell. He is able to catch him run, but I, mean, I think Le'Veon Bell would be a better option over James Conner. But I'm perfectly happy with James Conner right now. No, oh, yeah, not even close. So, I mean, I would definitely take Le'Veon in that situation too. Um. I mean, I really, really think – see, even with Kareem Hunt for me with the Chiefs, this might be my Eagles fan uh, flashbacks coming back with this Andy Reid always finding a way to blow it. And with the past few years, whenever these great Chiefs teams did make it to the playoffs, they always had some type of massive choke job. Remember, We remember the Tennessee game last year where Mariota caught the ball on a pass to himself. Um I think for what it's going to come down with the Chiefs, I do think they're still talented enough that they can make a run. I think the factors that will stop them more is just, again, Andy Reid's choke jobs and or the Patriots always figure it out in the playoffs. And no matter, it seems like, where they're seated, they always seem to find a way. Because I still think this Chiefs team is very talented. My thing for the Chiefs is going to be how can they deal with going forward after this whole situation. Not the loss of Kareem Hunt, but just the whole idea of this whole topic being constantly around the team. That, I think, is going to have more an effect on the Chiefs than Kareem Hunt not being on the field. You know that feeling when the last strip of grass is exactly the width. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Um. Do I think uh, – let me think. I don't think that will be necessarily a problem because I think the Chiefs did the right thing right at the right time. Like they, they, they immediately got rid of him. They came out. They said, this guy lied. We investigated it. Probably more than the NFL investigated it. This guy lied. So I find no fault on the Chiefs here at, at like being distracted. Yeah, I mean it will be a thing that's brought up. It will be brought up just as much as, uh, as James Conner's cancer. Every every week, every NFL announcer has to say something about his cancer. But like, I do what? agree with you in the sense that the Chiefs did handle it correctly. Yeah. We'll definitely go with you on that. Um, so with that, let's just jump into some of the key uh, weekend showdowns again as the playoff. Uh, first game I'm looking at, obviously, with uh, the Eagles in mind, is Eagles-Cowboys. It will be a 4 o'clock kickoff. In Jerry World, Rick, here's an interesting fact for you. The last few years when the Eagles and the Cowboys have played each other, the away team has won the game. It was like that two years ago. It was like that last year. And then, obviously, Dallas beat Philadelphia earlier this season. Do you think the trend is going to continue, or what do you think the implications of this game are going to be? I think the Cowboys have gone on to something at the right time. I think they're they're finally figuring out what they have and how to play with it. I mean, it's not perfect. That Dak Prescott is definitely not perfect. But he's been able to make things out of nothing, just like he did last week. Last week with the ridiculous scrambles they had to do, I mean, it, if he didn't do that, if he wasn't able to do that, then we would have no, we, we would be talking about a nothing game. But Cowboys are making a playoff push. If it wasn't, then this should be like a tank bowl. But I think the Cowboys have the ability to make a playoff push. Um, and I think you're underestimating what the Cowboys have because the Eagles don't seem to have it this year. No, they. I will fully say they don't. I am worried about this game. I, I There was a moment Monday night I was like, we're going to lose to Mark Sanchez. Like, we weren't saying that last year. The 
the fact that the Eagles scored a first quarter touchdown was mind blowing. We're we're dead last in the league in scoring differential in the first quarter this year. It's I definitely think that even though I think Philadelphia could still win, I still think we have a lot of injuries on defense. Our offense isn't the way that it used to be. We don't have a downfield threat. There's still a lot of things that can hurt us going forward. And I do think that, like you said, it's like Dallas and Houston right now. They're both very, very hot teams. Yeah. So I do think that even though I do think Philadelphia can win, it will be a struggle because this is a, it's like you said, it's a Cowboys team that a lot of people wrote off early. But like you said, they figured it out. It's not perfect, but in the NFC East this year, it doesn't have to be perfect. They can get into the playoffs at like eight, maybe eight and eight or nine and seven because there's no guarantee if even Philadelphia wins on Sunday, they still have to go play Houston and LA. LA Chargers, LA Chargers, right? LA Rams. Oh, LA Rams. Well, I mean, that's not looking too good for any sort of playoff push for the Eagles. But I mean the the te- uh, the Cowboys have an easy schedule, so I think this is a bigger game for Dallas than it is for the Eagles. But I mean it's it's big just as the rivalry is because the rivalry the, obviously the Eagles do not want them to get into the playoffs. But you know I mean, I, you know what I love about this week? What's that? It's Dallas sucks week when Weyerbacher always releases their Dallas sucks beer. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, dude, I like Wirebalker. That that beer is just it's okay. I they have much better beers than that. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah, they have a lot better beers than that. What's the uh, what's the next uh, matchup you're looking at? Monday night Vikings Seahawks, the two wild card teams right now. The Vikings just seem to. I mean, Kirk Cousins has always has always shown that whenever it comes to a big playoff potential push or moment, he chokes. So I, I'm I'm favoring the Seahawks in this battle, especially at it's, it's at uh, it's at Seattle's home. Yeah, Seattle doesn't lose in prime time. Let me. Yeah, they don't. They do not lose at home. That is a very, very good team. They'll have Chris Pratt there ringing the bell or something like that. Let's <laughs> we'll get a little interesting. Yeah, Monday night. Yes, yeah, Seattle. Uh, but this is why the Vikings brought in Kirk Cousins. This is why they did it. Well, yeah, I mean, he is a very good quarterback, but unfortunately he has the ability to choke at times. I I, I want Kirk Cousins to do good. I think I've, I've advocated for him so many times on this show. You definitely I, have. I want Kirk Cousins to do good, and I think he is a very good quarterback, but he has the – Almost like the Tony Romo like cloud over him when it comes to big moments for him. He plays well, but then he'll have these these weeks. Uh, a lot of times in prime time, it seems like that he just falls under pressure. And the Seahawks always rise under pressure. I don't. I always say, and like you've advocated for Kirk Cousins multiple times on the show. I will always say that. I will always believe that you do not mess with Seattle on a primetime game in Seattle with the 12s. It's no matter how they're doing, they are going to find a way to beat you. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost seems like Russell Wilson doesn't get a lot to produce, which is kind of like the exact opposite of Kirk. No, I wouldn't say the exact opposite of Kirk because he did pretty well for what he had at Washington. But let's say the exact opposite of uh, – Kind of like what Dak Prescott has. Now, now, now he has a now he ha, he has an amazing running back. He is a pretty good receiver. He is doing a lot better once they got that receiver in there. Uh, Russell Wilson. It almost seems like he needs those subpar wide receivers that no one expects. Like I mean, Doug Baldwin was an undrafted player. He's one of the top receivers in the league. Here's actually a fun fact for you. What's that? The Seattle Seahawks are the only team in the NFL that have run this year more than pass. Well, I mean, they have two pretty decent running backs, uh, Carson and Penny. Mm-hmm. 
like those those two like those two are kind of like under the radar of decent uh, as a decent running game. Plus, I mean, Russell Wilson can run himself, so they have a three way option there on how they're gonna use their running back slash, slash QB. And you can really give them credit because of running that well behind that crap offensive line. Their offensive line seems to, it seems to be a lot better than it was last year. Last year, I mean, Russell Wilson was so injured that he couldn't run too much. I mean, that also could be part of it. Russell Wilson wasn't able to run too much. So, he uh, now that he's healthy, he can run and run away from their bad offensive line. What are you thinking of Colts-Texans? Basically, Texans being the hottest team right now in the NFL. I mean, I'm very, very impressed by what they've been able to pull off against the Tennessee Titans, who are 6-6. Six and six. Actually, no, the Titans are tonight. But the reason why I was thinking of the Titans because the Titans, the Colts, the Broncos, and the Dolphins – all sit at six and six, a game behind the seven and five Ravens for that last wild card spot. So the Texans were on their nine game win streak. This this could very well be a elimination game for the Colts, who look like a completely rejuvenated team under the man that I miss so much, uh, Frank Reich. Well, I mean the Colts like that. That's like an amazing story right there. I mean, Andrew Luck is now one of the least pressured QBs in the league. That 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 statement is like unheard of. That they're that, a game out of the playoffs. That's like a missing passage in the Bible. Like you you don't you don't ever see that or read that. Like, of course, Andrew Luck is supposed to be pressured, but he's not. They actually did a good job of protecting him. So, I don't think the Colts are there yet. They they're like one or two pieces away, and then they're there. Maybe a. Another good receiver and maybe a little bit more defense. One or two more pieces, and they're there. It's, Texas. A, sh- it's a shame because with the AFC South, you think how good the Jags were last year. It's actually, if the Jags had picked it back up, that's a very talented division. Houston, Indy, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. That's a strong division. Well, that division is like a whirlwind. So Jacksonville was supposed to be one of the top picks this year, and they've completely floundered. Titans, but I, as a person that play, places money on these games, they're one of the worst teams to bet for or against because the the so many of their their games this year, they've either like lost thirty eight to ten or won thirty eight to ten. It seems or one. Like like by two points and had a miraculous they had the 17 point comeback against the eagles and then they had a comeback against the jets last week they had a comeback against the chargers when they were in that when they were in london i mean they went for it with no seconds left on the clock and didn't convert otherwise they would have won that so it's it's so crazy how they're run but yeah fourth quarters they may be one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league it's pretty incredible yeah, them, uh, and I think Carolina's very strong in that department, too. Colts are definitely a surprise. Uh, Texans, I, I'm pretty sure I would need to go back and listen to our, like, prediction show. Pretty sure I picked the Texans to win this division. I think you did, too. In the first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, shit. I cursed. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that 0-3 start really didn't help you at all. And Deshaun Watson looked like he, he just... Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. So, I mean, Deshaun Watson bouncing back and and Andrew Luck being able to bounce, bounce back, that's probably huge this week for them. Who are you going to take? Uh, I'm taking the Texans. I I think their, their streak is too hot, and I think overall they're a better team offensively and defensively. I agree with you there. And then the last game of the week that I am looking at, Another one that has huge implications, especially with that Vikings-Seahawks uh, game Monday night. It could be made a little bit more interesting depending on the result of the Bears-Rams um, game. If the Rams win, the Rams will lock up um, a bye. They've already locked up home field. I'm not homed up. They've already locked up the division. Yeah, they already locked up the division, so they're in the playoffs. 
Um, and Trubitsky, I believe, is back this week, correct? Yeah, Chase Daniel really didn't do all that bad. Yeah, he he was he was like he was like a famous clipboard QB that was able to run the ship, not sink it, run the ship, Brom to one and one. So not too not too bad. And nearly came back and beat the Giants. Yeah, almost did, but did not in the end. Uh, I think the Rams are going to win, even though the Rams seem to be become more and more injured in certain ways. They are getting healthier, especially on the defensive side. And if their defense is good against Trubisky, Trubisky has kind of struggled with good defenses this year. And the Rams' offense, I mean, they can fire on all cylinders. I mean, McVay and Golf are, are like a match made in heaven. It's pretty incredible. But that Rams team, to be fair, looked pretty human against the Lions until I mean, the end. I mean, so so did the Saints against Touché. Dallas. I I mean, you're these teams are going to have human moments. I mean, obviously you th- you want to think of them as superpower teams. I mean, they looked pretty human. Uh, Rams looked pretty human. Even the the Chiefs looked pretty human against uh, Denver. And they didn't play that well against Denver. But that was also because Denver has a damn good defense. So, I, I still think it'll be a close. I, this may be Rams looking human, but I think the Rams will win this. Not by a lot. I, I Yeah, I'm very interested to see how they'll do, too, playing at Soldier Field. Playing at Soldier Field? Yeah, so that, that's, a, um, that's a, you know, huge Sunday night game, I think, you know. That that's back alive. The monsters on the midway are back, but I mean, the Viking, I, the Bears are going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of how, because if they lose and the Vikings pull it out, the the Vikings are right there. The Bears would be eight and five, and the Vikings would be seven five and one. The Bears would just have them by half a game because of that tie. Yeah. And uh, I I kind of want to bring up a game because of one very interesting stat. All right, go. I want to bring up the New England at Miami game. The reason why I want to bring this up uh, is because it seems like Tom Brady, whenever he goes to warmer weather, uh, plays down to his competition. Let's just say it like that. Because in the fat past five games New England has played in Miami, they're one in five. Hmm. So... Playoff implications there. Miami is making a playoff push trying to get one of those wild card spots. New England is trying to stay atop the board in the NFC. Or the AFC, I'm sorry. So it could be a huge factor there. I don't know why Tom Brady, is he just so used to the New New England heat, a.k.a. the New England cold at this point, that whenever he goes down there, he plays like crap. So... I think that's that's a huge thing that some people are kind of looking over right at this moment. Yeah, I I definitely overlooked that. I that, that I didn't even realize that. Maybe Tom Brady's still too busy thinking about the fact that he has a thousand yards rushing in his career now. Yeah, the greatest rushing QB. Can you? He took the knee forward and said, "Make sure you didn't mark me a yard back." Nice. <laughs> Such a Tom move, dude. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to get that record, yeah, let's go for it. All right, so that's some of our football chat. Again, you can find us at WideOpen underscore sports on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking with this week's upcoming games. Uh, along the topic with football, Rick, let's take a quick dive into college football. Um, obviously, the big news coming out um, is that the top four for college football was announced, and it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. I think we uh, predicted that one correctly. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking if if Georgia lost, they had to be knocked hundred percent. I like and I said before if, if Notre Dame didn't get in, I would kind of be like a little pissed, but I was happy. I don't understand. So many people were like, "Oh, Georgia should still make it. Georgia should still make it." You had your chance. You're up 14. Kirby Smart with probably one of the worst play calls I've ever seen. With that fake punt at midfield on like 4th and 8. 
uh, you know, yeah. they just that field goal miss hurt. They they took their foot off the gas. It's like it's like when Philadelphia beat New England in the Super Bowl last year. Philadelphia saw when you're playing the best and playing teams like that, you don't take your foot off the gas because the second you do, you're in trouble. I.e., Atlanta Falcons, it, and it, now the Georgia Bulldogs. It was the exact same thing as last year when they were in the when they were in the playoffs. Because Georgia choked. Yeah. Like, it's it's incredible it happened twice in the same dome in the same, pretty much the same year. Actually, yeah, yeah 11 months apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, 10, 11 months apart from each other. It was, I was so excited, like, before the game they played uh, In the Air tonight by Phil Collins. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And then I saw Georgia was up. I started getting really excited. But then... Uh, <laughs> To summarize it all, there's a funny meme I saw this week. It was of uh, Austin Powers, and it was Dr. Evil with the Falcons logo on. <laughs> and it said, I call him Mini-Me. And it was Mini-Me with the Bulldogs logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary how true that is. Yeah, but, uh, that's not good at all. It was the same thing with the quarterback situation for Alabama, except Swap. Yeah, I am very happy for Jalen Hearns, though. That is a great story. Phenomenal story. Yeah, I mean, he he needed something, and that was it was very nice that he was able to do that, like do that for his team and for potentially his career. Yeah, that's, and it just shows too when you trust. Kill me for saying it. Trust the process. And believe in your preparation. You know, he could have left. He could have gone somewhere. But he sat. He waited for his opportunity. And look what happened. So definitely feel good story for him. Um, Ohio State is out. And obviously the big news out of college football too. Oh, Urban Meyer retiring. Rick, is he really done? <laughs> well, health implications would tell me yes. Um, part of me thinks he was kind of pushed out. Uh just because the, there's still a huge distraction around what he says and what he does. Um, they have a really good guy that's stepping in now. So pretty much he was going to be their replacement if Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer didn't step down, Ohio State would have lost him, and that would have been a huge story for them to overcome. So I think it was kind of like, in a way, force, not force, like under the table, like, come on, like, we got to move on. But, I mean, Urban Meyer with his head, head I wouldn't say head injury, his head contusions, whatever they are. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's a huge factor. I think the whispers about how ethical of a coach he is. Because, uh, I mean, he's had to deal with shit like this throughout his career. Like, obviously, this, this past year with him being suspended for kind of not speaking out about his coach. And even when he was... I think there was a stat that came out when he was a coach for the Florida Gators. About 20 of his players were arrested. And not much punishment was done. So, ethically, like he, I mean, one, he's a very good coach. But he wants to win. And he'll do it at any cost. It seems like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I re- reading again. It seems like I'm talking about a book. I read a book on Coach K. Uh, it's all a book that I read that talks about all these great coaches all together called uh, Getting to Us. It was a phenomenal book. And his wife, Shelly, details in the book about how obsessed he was. He, he, he literally doesn't get off his phone. He's in church and is recruiting people. Yeah. So I think he's done. I I, this is the second time his health issues have come around. It's not good for him. And they were talking about it this morning. Uh, this was his dream job. A lot of people are saying Notre Dame was it for him. But it seems like to him, you know, he came up at Ohio State before he went to Bowling Green. And this he wanted the, the, the first college football playoff with them. And I think that, you know, this is going to be it for him. But now, do you do you feel his legacy is tarnished? for how he's going out with the whole um, domestic violence scandal and all the other stuff that you had just forementioned too, like almost like this willingness to not discipline at all costs to win. Um, I think because so many other people are kind of caught in that same loop that 
not really. I mean, will it be a little bit of a damper? Yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit of a damper. But you cannot deny how good of a, how damn good of a coach he was, and potentially may still be. I think it's I think there's like a ten percent chance he'll ever coach again. But he he is a damn good coach. You cannot take that away from him. The only the only downside of him is discipline. I think for for certain things. Yeah, I'm sure he's had the discipline players before, but he probably does it in different ways than what we know publicly. Yeah. So. Okay, I I can see where you're coming from from there for that one. I am going to abstain from this conversation because of my allegiances. <laughs> Let That's me just fun. put it that way. Um, I feel like it'll be better for that. Um, elsewhere, Rick, that MLB hot stove heating up, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Mets are making some moves and trying to make some more moves. That's kind of exciting for me. What do you, What is your um? Uh, what's your thoughts on acquiring Robbie Cano? Um. Robinson Cano, I, I feel like is kind of like the like the cherry on top. I, I was more happy about us getting Edwin Diaz because we needed like a like good good pitcher, and we got it Edwin Diaz, especially as a closer. Uh, Robinson Cano, I mean, we had, we had he's a power hitter; he can hit, which is nice. It seems like the Mets the only way we score is by home runs, so we need a lot of power hitting. Mm-hmm. Because we, we just lo- love leaving men on base, which I hate about the Mets. But, I mean, that's – I'm pretty pretty happy about that. I mean, I feel like we, we gave away a lot, but not too much. So, I was I was kind of kind of real happy about that. What are you uh, – are you happy about anything yet? Or Yes, I, think- I am very happy. Um, I'm very happy with – Nasty Nate back for the Red Sox four-year deal. Nate Eovaldi threw more pitches over 100 miles an hour than any pitcher in the postseason combined. And even though they lost that epic game three, he's going to go down as a hero in uh, Red Sox lore for that performance. So I'm definitely very happy about him. Um, Very happy about what's-his-face who just signed with the Nationals. Um, staying away from the Yankees because the Yankees were making a big push for him. Patrick Corbin, that's the name I was looking for. It just slipped my mind. Yeah, definitely happy the Yankees didn't get Patrick Corbin. Keep them down for as long as we can. Even though they're, uh, apparently the Yankees have started to court Bryce Harper. Do you, do you really think if the Yankees get Bryce Harper, that's going to make that much of a difference? Um. So it's it's very interesting. Bryce Harper definitely had a down year, but I think it was kind of just the environment that he was in and and the the management situation didn't seem like he was very happy there anymore. Um, do I think it'll make a big difference? Well, their their outfield is so damn packed right now. Um, it'd be interesting if they would have to move one of their outfielders into the infield, like maybe to a first baseman spot because. I feel like that's that's a huge struggle for them. So if they're able to like, I don't know, move, if Judge would, I, I, I seriously doubt that, but if Judge were to move to first base, I think it would be huge for them if they're able to get Bryce Harper. And then I apparently mean, also too, you got the potential move from Manny Machado, which is still out there. But I don't get it. it seems like ever since those rumors came out, Yankees fans have a grudge with uh, Didi. Gregorius, and I'm like, I thought, I thought Gregorius was pretty good. Yeah, but he was injury prone. He's he's he was very injury prone, and honestly, I think I'd rather have Machado than Didi. Who do you think is more likely to end up in New York, Machado or Harper? That's a good question. Uh, I would say Machado. Um. Nothing has nothing has exactly told me anything yet about Harper not being signed by the Nationals, um, and I'm, I, I I know they're trying to make something work down there, even with the huge signing that they just got. I think I think Machado is probably more likely to land with the Yankees. Hell, even there are so many teams trying to reach out to Bryce Harper right now that he can take as much time as he wants. 
So I would say more so than May Machado. Machado's team's not so much. But I think the Yankees are there trying to get him. And then the Cardinals today acquiring Goldschmidt, that's a good move for them. Yeah, I mean, he's... He he is he's like one of the I mean I, is obvious thing to say he's one of the best players in the league right now, but I mean he is definitely a huge plus for that team, especially a team that turned it around last year. Like they looked at absolute shit. They changed they changed their manager and they they made a playoff push. It was quite impressive while losing their best player. While losing their best player, so him being signed there, I mean that just. That just tells me that the Cardinals are are in such playoff mode right this moment. I think are they, are they like are they're probably going to be like a wild card game team? Yeah, I think so. But they're in playoff mode right now, and they have a lot of good pieces there. I so, feel like they always do. Like the Cardinals are one of those teams. I feel like they they always stick around. They always have a great minor league system. Like I I can't tell you the last time I remember looking at the Cardinals and being like, wow, this team's very bad. Uh. Well, yeah, uh, the beginning of the 2018 season. Other than that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's they're, they're probably one of the top five most solid organizations in the league. I mean, considering St. Louis necessarily isn't, like, the biggest polling market for a team, like, say, L.A., New York, and maybe Houston at this point. Uh, but, I mean, they're, they're able to find – obviously, they didn't find, like – Needle in the haystack with Goldschmidt. Obviously, that was like high market priority to get, but it was it was a huge thing for them. Could be a big market for their XFL team. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that one in a little bit. And speaking of markets and new teams coming around, Rick, let's jump into our questionable call for the week. I am so excited about this. The Seattle, soon-to-be-named team, is going to be a team. Uh, Seattle gets the expansion team, the 32nd team in the NHL, and they will begin in the 2021-2022 season. Rick, what do you think about this move? Um, I I like the location of it. I mean, it makes sense. It's a huge market team for for any sports organization. Like, obviously, it was a huge shock when the uh, Seattle Supersonics left and I mean, once they left, they, they knew kind of like, well, we screwed up on our end, so let's try to get a team back. So with the Seattle Super, uh, Supersonics going on for so many years, built this new arena, they have an NHL team. It's telling me in a few years down the line when the NBA most likely trying to expand to 32 teams, they're probably going to get one because, I mean, the fan market, the fan base there is great. I mean, Dude, it's it makes wild in Seattle. It, it makes you kind of feel bad for like places like Quebec, which I think kind of still deserves a team. But I mean, you can't deny the marketability of Seattle. Seattle, I mean, they've they've won championships. They've had good teams there throughout throughout all these years. So I think Seattle is the perfect spot for an NHL team. Dude, that that that, that fan base truly is amazing. I'll um I'll never forget when I was out in Seattle two years ago. Uh, for that concert that I went to. And yes, I went to Seattle for a concert, I know. Um, but I was there on a Sunday on Seahawks game day. They were playing the 49ers, and if I had a later flight, I probably would have tried to go to the games. It would have been awesome to go see. But even not on game day, the entire city is just covered in Seahawks and Sounders gear. Surprisingly, yeah. the Mariners are the third team in Seattle behind the Seattle uh, Sounders of the MLS. Um, and then being there just on game day, every single person is in Seahawks jerseys. They have the fl- the 12 flags and all the buildings and everything. It's Every single corner has the Seahawks. Every single corner. And then every two corners has something with the Sounders. I went into a gift store. There was more Supersonics gear than Mariners gear. I mean, that, that tells you a lot. I mean, for a couple things. One, Mariners, they're probably, like, one of the biggest disappointing teams. Like, 
they a lot of years they'll be good, but then they they flatter. I mean, they've they've had one of the they've had the best regular season up until uh, the record up until Boston this year. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken. No, Seattle still kept it. Okay. Okay. Well, Boston is pretty damn good. Yeah, Boston but, got Boston got to 108. Seattle's is 116. That's right. That's right. That's right. So they're one of the bigger disappointments, as well as kind of uh, baseball is kind of a I wouldn't say it's a dying sport, but it's more of like someone's cup of tea, whereas in football and soccer, a lot of people can get into it, especially, I mean, Seattle is such a huge soccer town. Plus, I mean, their team is always pretty good. Maybe yeah, Sounders may- are very solid. Yeah, so if you have a solid base like the Seahawks and the Sounders do, Mariners need to work on that, but maybe they're making some good moves to get there with all these trades and signings that they're doing. Uh I, I could definitely see why they're kind of like the third team and possibly even now the fourth team. Um, Seattle has never had a hockey team. So them getting a hockey team is definitely a weird dynamic in a way. But people also thought that with the with the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights, no one thought that was going to be a success. And look at them now. Dude, I walked so- into the gym today, and on the coat racks was a Vegas Golden Knights hoodie. Yeah, so, I mean, they're popular. People are going to see their games, locals and non-locals. I mean, people thought it was a tourist town, but there are a lot of people that live in that town and want to go see a sports team. And especially with the Golden Knights, because they need to be good, otherwise they would fall behind the Raiders, who are like a dying team. Uh, It seemed like they're a dying team. Yeah, so what do you think the team name is going to be? Uh, I, you know, I, I have no idea. You, you've been there probably more times than I have been there. Um, all right, here's the, uh, here's the names. I know my personal choice. I'll give you my personal choice after I'm done going through it. Um, the odds-on favorite in Vegas at minus 105 is the Seattle Totems. Okay. Because of the totem poles. Second, the Emeralds. Third, the Rainiers. Fourth, the Sockeyes. Five, the Seattle Kraken. We also have the Seattle Renegades, the Seattle Sea Lions, the Seattle Seals, the Seattle Evergreens, the Seattle Whales, the Seattle Cougars, the Seattle Eagles, and the Firebirds. All those last ones are plus 2,800 in Vegas. Um, I mean... Kraken sounds like a badass name, but I don't. I, I feel like honestly, that sounds like more like an XFL team name. Uh, uh, the Emeralds, I I like. Um, I like the. That's I would pick the Emeralds. I, I the Emeralds I like. I also like the Seals because it's kind of a throwback to when the Seals were a team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they did. They definitely didn't have a very successful run, but I mean. The the NHL back back way back in the day back back in California, they had a team called the Seals, the Oakland Seals, the California Seals. That made that was no, that was not their first California team. They weren't successful, but that would kind of be like cool throwback to it. I love the name the Emeralds. That was the first name I thought of was the Emeralds because it's the Emerald City. But the totems right now looking looking like it's the favorite because of the different totem poles and everything. Um, that's part of the tradition there in Seattle. But I I really really like the Emeralds and, and the Rainiers is cool too because of the Mount Rainier right there. Um, obviously a big part of the city's tradition and beauty there of this the city itself. But I I would go with the Emeralds. That's that's why the question we'll call the week is what would you name the Seattle team? I would pick the Emeralds. I, I would say the Emeralds uh, seals would not be bad. Um, there are, there are a couple funny ones on Reddit. Like one one of them was the the Seattle Washington Capitals. <laughs> Thought that was pretty good. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's a, jump. What was the team? That opened up the polls to name their team, and the winner was Harambe McHarambe face. 
Well, that that's like a that's an internet meme. I forget who that was, but it started when they when the tugboat in England was trying to be named, and it was Bodie McFace. <laughs> Yeah, but everyone got all all up in arms, so they have a boat now named Bodie McBoat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and then I I think it was, maybe it was like this. It was the Sacramento soccer team. They're the Sacramento Republic, and it was going to be the Sacramento Harambe McHarambe face. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, final drive time. Let's get into it. Um. Rick, for the second year in a row, someone doped their dogs in the Iditarod dog sled race. Jeez, that's rough. rough dog stuff is having a rough time because they just they just banned uh, gray, greyhound racing in Florida. Mm-hmm. So more dog abuse is not looking good for any sport involving dogs. No, not at all. Uh, next, USA Gymnastics has filed for bankruptcy after payments of the victims of Larry Asshole. I love that's, it. That's his name, Larry Asshole. <laughs> Larry Asshole. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. They owed a lot of people a lot of money for their negligence on that one. Don't blame them there. Um, the XFL has announced its eight cities. The XFL is coming back to New York, New Jersey. Hopefully we're getting the Hitmen back. I would be so excited if that happened. Um, Seattle will get a team. Tampa Bay, L.A., Dallas, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., and Houston will be the eight founding cities for the XFL. Uh, St. Louis is very interesting because it makes perfect sense why they would go there because obviously they just lost yeah. their, their football game. Uh, and a lot of it seems like they are they are playing in football stadiums. Like they're playing the Seattle football stadium. They're playing in MetLife. Uh, they're playing at Tampa Bay. I actually was thinking it was going to Orlando, not Tampa Bay, and they were going to play at the soccer stadium. Yeah, because that's the L.A. team's going to play at the StubHub Center where the Galaxy play. And... Um, the Dallas team is going to play. There's like in like the Dallas practice stadium. Also, um, the Dallas professional lacrosse team, the Dallas Rattlers, plays in the Cowboys practice facility. But it's also like a stadium as well. Yes. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that they do that. Uh, next, Crystal Palace of the Premier League's kitchen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ugh. For its player receives a zero out of five stars in food hygiene rain inspected after a mouse infestation hit the kitchen. Uh, says a lot about that organization. Yeah, and the fact that they are absolutely a awful team. Um, well, yeah, a lot of those teams they all have kitchens and the coaches work together with the chefs to create diets for the players. And yeah, they had a zero out of five rating in a health yeah. inspection. No wonder why Crystal Palace fights relegation every year. <laughs> um, what's new? Markel Fultz has another nerve condition and is out for a while. That sucks. That, that just sucks. <laughs> running out of time, man. Uh, Steelers fan chokes a pregnant Chargers fan in a fight post-game Sunday night. Uh, not a look, good look. Not a good look. Definitely uh, not a proud moment to be a Steelers fan there. Dude, I'm going to join you with our next one um, for you being a Steelers fan and definitely not a proud moment as a Tottenham supporter. Obviously, losing to Arsenal sucks. That fickle fan base, they're already back in fifth place, you scumbags. But you go over the line when a Tottenham fan was rightfully arrested and has been banned from Tottenham games for life for throwing a banana peel at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang after he scored in their win over us over the weekend. So why what what was the charge? Hate crime. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah, so Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is uh, African. Yeah, I, I figured that, but I I didn't know if that was the charge or just throwing shit on the field is. Yeah, no, he got charged for a hate crime. Okay, that makes sense. And then um, also something fun to mention: MLS Cup is Saturday, and the reason why MLS Cup Saturday is exciting me it's Atlanta United against the Portland Timbers. And I am excited because Atlanta United has really set the like set the limit for how great unite um, American professional soccer can be. Um, they yeah, sell out that stadium every game. Just imagine the MLS Cup there. It's it's easily going to break the record for the most people to attend MLS Cup. 
Um, it's going to be awesome, even though I think that MLS Cup should be at a neutral site. And I think the MLS thinks that, too, because there's some big changes coming towards the MLS playoff format in the future. That is going to be just an amazing spectacle just to watch, is to watch MLS Cup in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, I would. I don't care who wins. I'd probably want to see Portland see the upset a little bit. But it's just going to be an amazing thing to watch, seeing all those people there for MLS Cup. Honestly, I want Atlanta to win just because it's it's I mean, it's kind of like an underdog story because they're such a new team. This is like their second year, right? Correct. This is their second year in existence. Yeah, that's, that's very hard to do that for any professional sport, for a brand-new team to make it to the, fi- the final of any, any organization. And especially in soccer, to sell out with 80,000 people a game. In your in a, second year, in America, that's not a national game, so that that is pretty big. I'll, I'll give that. Yeah, but, so that will be awesome to watch. It's on Saturday night. I'll definitely be watching that. Yeah, man. Good show, man. Yeah, great time as always with you, Rick. And again, you can find us at Wide Open underscore Sports on Twitter. What would you name the Seattle Sea? Uh, almost name. What would you name the Seattle Seahawks? Um, what would you rename? the Seattle hockey team, if you had the chance to give him a name, would you name him Harambe McHarambe face? And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in as well. And we will be back with you very shortly, friends. All right, man. Good show. Of course, dude. You too. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go Birds, Dallas sucks. Let's kick it. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights, huh? And I'll blow. <laughs> I love that. That was great.